Welcome to the Recruitment Roundup with Toby and Nadia of Harrington Star. This is our one podcast a week where we talk about us and our passion for great recruitment. Five days a week, we shine a light on the individuals that are making waves in the world of fintech. And on a Sunday, we bring you the Recruitment Roundup. So the theme of this week is actually inspired by you, Toby Bear. And it's something that you said in our recent monthly meeting um, last Monday on the 1st of November. And I wrote it down and I've thought about it all week. And as I always say with some of these themes, whenever I think about what theme we're going to talk about, I see it everywhere. But the, the phrase that you said was confidence is born through evidence. And I absolutely loved it when you said it. And as I said, I'm seeing it left, right and centre at the moment, especially in the role that, that I am doing at the moment, because I spend a lot of my time trying to tell people that there's potentially a better way of doing things. And those things are often about driving change across their business for gender diversity, for wider diversity, for inclusion, for equity within their workplace. It's often around changing the way that they are interviewing people to drive faster and more efficient results. It's often changing policy within their environment to retain and invest in people they have. But whenever you are asking somebody to change and whether that is to improve, and obviously when, when you're talking to me, it's always to improve and it's to make sure that we've got a better environment, better team, better attraction process. It's difficult for people to make change happen. And I think about your, your quote a lot. And I think, you know, where you say confidence was born through evidence. We are day in, day out in our jobs, giving people confidence in change by giving them case studies, evidence, talking to them about the experience that we have, talking about their competitors and what they're doing. And I just wanted to shine a light on that because at the moment, there are a number of things that are really challenging in the fintech space at the moment with regards to how people are hiring, how people are investing and how people are retaining. And I think that um, it's really interesting to talk about the evidence that's needed to give people confidence to change their processes, to allow them to hire better, to hire for uh, longer, to invest in people um, and to ensure that they are retained and made better. And I think that when we're doing our job day in, day out, it's really important that we think about the evidence that we can share. So I have been giving case studies upon case studies in probably the last year of my role, like with a vengeance sharing case studies. I have been talking about how the 17% list has changed the lives of 62 women that would never have had roles created for them if it wasn't for the 17% list that I am signing different clients up to to get better visibility of women within the tech space. I am talking to people about changing their interview processes so that they perhaps don't have a seven-step interview process in this marketplace where candidates are so hard to find, so hard to engage, so hard to attract. I am talking to people about looking at exactly what they are looking for right now, what hole they are looking to fill, and remind themselves that it's about people. And people don't want to fill holes, they want to build careers. They don't want to fill holes in your business, they want to have a career within your business. And this change and these conversations I'm having are becoming so powerful and I'm becoming so much more confident talking about them because I've got so many case studies of where this has worked. I've got so many companies who've re reduced a six-stage interview process to a three. They've hired somebody, that person's been the right person for their business, they were able to attract and engage in that talent, they were able to onboard that talent and that person is now flying much faster than they would have if they hadn't been able to change that interview process. I've had people that are able to look at their job description and think, 
actually, do we need every single one of those skills or do we need to hire somebody that potentially can do this job in three months time, but we're going to teach them to do this job spec and we're going to add value to them. And these sorts of conversations I have with people, it's difficult if I don't give them evidence. And it's brilliant that I can say, your competitors are doing this. This person's done this. This is an example of that. Look at this person's profile on LinkedIn. Look how much they've grown within that business. No wonder they're staying in there and loyal. But as I said, this phrase came from you. And I wanted you just to share some of your thoughts before we go into the podcast and how the podcasts themselves are evidence too. Thanks for that, Nance. And, and it, was, it was kind of like a throwaway comment that sort, of, that sort of came out that I'm glad had a bit of a, a bit of impact to it as well. Because, as you know, we've spent a lot of time over the last decade exploring the mindset of performance and working with you know, psychologists, sports psychologists, performance psychologists, business psychologists to look at what gets the best and what allows people to, you know, to reach their potential. You know, our job is to unlock the potential in every single person who we deal with, be that client, candidate or, or consultant who we work with. And confidence is absolutely born through, through evidence. You can have the most motivating, inspiring and big, hairy, audacious goal that you want to put out there. But until that has got some evidence that, that you're able to hit that sort of stuff, until the narrative is there that allows you to see that that, that sort of stuff is hittable, it, it's kind of just worth nothing. And actually, I think you know, one of the things that's contagious is, is success. And you see this in all sorts of organisations. And you know, we've done a lot of, of conversation over the last two, three weeks about culture uh, and what builds great culture and what makes the top 1% workplace as, as, as interviews that we've been doing nonstop for the last two, you know, two, three weeks. And overwhelmingly, when you're talking about what makes a great workplace for, for technologists, it becomes through evidence. It comes from evidence of being able to look to their left and their right and be able to see people in there who are at the top of their game and able to perform magic in terms of the development skills that they may be doing or the sales skills that they may be doing. I'm going to talk about two of the people I've been speaking to uh, over the course of the last week. One of them is, is uh, around leadership. I spoke to Harry Schola over at Task Guys and they were talking about a journey that they've been on over four and a half, five years where they've got a leadership team who is able to lean themselves to their track record. They're able to lean themselves to a track record of, a, of an idea through to a business that has been winning traction and clients all over the world consistently over that sort, of, that sort of period. And every time I speak to their leadership team, it's another step forward, another step forward, another step forward. Jack Welsh, former CEO of GE, once spoke about the three years of leadership, energy, the ability to energise and the ability to execute. Now, energy and energizing, you want to see as, as a given for people there in, in leadership roles. The execution part of it is where the evidence comes in there. And I think what uh, the Task Guys team were able to do is point towards that track record of, of execution, which has allowed them to grow and allowed the momentum of their performance to go. We were talking beforehand about your work with the 17% list and how much of a no-brainer it is for people to, to, you know, to help change by uh, subscribing to that. But it's about case studies and evidence, case studies and evidence. And in any sort of adoption, you look at tech adoption, you look at the internet, you look at Apple, you look at any of these sort of things, there are early adopters and there are laggards in this process. And the early adopters curve takes longer for that sort of stuff to happen. And I think you know, part of a, a leadership group is, is to constantly constantly showcase and highlight and show the art of possible and build confidence through their team through doing that and that's what something which i thought was uh, exceptional you know, from that uh, that task guys team i spoke to her the founder of Hakodo louis carbonier and again 
he talked there about what made them so attractive to, to sales professionals. Uh, and what was so attractive with it was in that was their amazing product market fit, their size of opportunity, the scale of international opportunity through, through that. And all of those things become very, very compelling for a sales leader, for a salesperson to come into. As a salesperson, what are you looking for in a company? A company there which can make you better what you do, where you can look to left and right and see people who are being successful at what they're doing. And I think what they were very clear on is saying, look, we have a size of opportunity here. We've got an amazing product fit, which is changing the marketplace and, and we have an international opportunity. What they are able to do is again showcase that through a business that through the pandemic has doubled in size, double in sales to double in just about every single metric and further that you can look at, which gives them evidence to build confidence. A business that is confident, a business that has momentum, a business that is thriving, if managed well, allows people then to uh, perform to their very, very best. And I think that's a fascinating thing that rolls into every sort of organisation. Can you provide that narrative? Can you provide that story where people are showcasing the art of possible? Can you provide that environment where you can constantly, constantly give people confidence and evidence there? Because if people are seeing it, they do it. We'll look into our business and we'll see that some of the numbers that have happened over the course of this year and the performances that have happened over the course of this year is, is redefining what possible looks like. In that same monthly meeting we were talking about, we were talking about four or five month prorata figures that blitz anything that I've been involved in in 22 years of the industry. Now, potentially weren't showcasing that to everyone. People are going to look around and just say that what was previously good and, and, and acceptable remains good and acceptable. But actually, average has become poor. Good has become average. And what was great is now good. And this has becomes really, really interesting about what that means to the psychology of every single person within it. And I think that sort of thing is really, really important. And there, there are businesses out there who I think are doing some exceptional things to showcase just what's possible at the moment and just how important them and their businesses can be to people and how much more potential there is in, in, in individuals. I listened to something the other day where a team was talking about basically being a fraction of the percentage of what is possible for them to get to. Now, they won't go from 30 40% of their capability up to 100% of the capability overnight. But what they can do is the same, right, how do we move that needle iteratively forward. That's what Kaizen is all about. Our, one of our core founding values of continuous improvement, continuously looking to take that further forward. And I think that conference for evidence is about making sure the narrative is about showcasing those little wins consistently to make winning a habit, habitualizing excellence, which is a phrase that you coined many years ago, and, and showing again that route, that evidence, that journey to long lasting, consistent, high performing success that doesn't just peak and trough, but stays at the top of the game for as long as it possibly can. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I love that phrase, the art, the art of the possible, and showcasing exactly what is possible. Because it is, it's human nature, isn't it? If you want to get somewhere, if you want to change something, you're going to feel a lot more confident if you see how other people are doing it. And I think that's very much my responsibility to be showing that in the marketplace. And I feel so proud that with my 17% list, that people across the fintech space are less likely to say women don't exist in particular roles. They're less likely to say women don't, don't exist in development. They're less likely to say women don't exist in DevOps or security. You know, these are generally the areas that people used to say to me, oh, but you know, women don't exist there. And rather than then having a, a verbal conversation about it, I decided a long time ago, I'm just going to show you 
that women do and here they are week on week on week and you know the, the confidence that that's actually given me to keep pursuing this movement and this journey to showcase to people that women do exist within this space and we can affect the gender imbalance by just tweaking how we work but we need those tweaks and we need those changes and look what other people are doing to make those tweaks they're changing their interview processes they're changing how they hire they're they're approaching me to change actually the, the entire way recruitment works now i'm not saying mm. let's you know completely rip up the playbook but i am saying there's a different way of doing it where you have to be more forward thinking and proactive but it does mean that we can really start to change the dynamics of our companies and this is just gender i'm talking about i'm not I'm, i haven't even begun on everything i want to do on diversity it's really exciting where we are at the moment because we know in the fintech space there are some huge challenges as we've said it many times now on this uh, on this podcast there is the most amount of hiring i have ever seen in all of my years of recruitment which is so, super exciting however it's super challenging because we are still dealing with the majority of people wanting to hire in the same way they've always hired, wanting to attract from the same pool they've always attracted from. And it's our responsibility to really open up people's minds and open their eyes, open their concept of what is possible and the art of possible. And I'm doing that through evidence. I'm, I'm speaking at universities. I was at the University of Reading on Tuesday night, helping the Henley Business School run an event called Women in Business, where, where of course I was flying the FinTech flag. And it's, it's so important that you know, we, we're doing that to, to grow different talent pools. But again, there's no point in me going to different clients and saying, oh, I think you'd hire outside your competitors. I've got to showcase how we do that. And that is what we are totally committed to. So I've really been enjoying that concept of providing evidence to give confidence of how change can happen. A couple of the pods that I recorded this week to mention would be uh, Caroline Ramard, CEO of FinTech 50. So she's European based. She works out of uh, Germany, Belgium, France. Uh, she's based in France. But she, she does a lot of work within her company to showcase how women can progress within uh, the financial services and technology space. And again, her talk was all about case study upon case study, how she can help women progress within their careers, again, showcasing confidence. And I also spoke to Dahlia Candil this week, head of product at Chanalysis, and they're all about evidence too. This time, evidence in crypto, building trust in crypto, talking about how crypto is a lot more transparent than you think because of Chainalysis, because what they're doing is they're, they're working to bring transparency to the space. So as you see, everywhere I looked this week, I saw evidence breeds confidence, but I desperately believe that it's our responsibility as recruiters to be helping solve people's problems. And at the moment, within the marketplace, so many people are looking to grow and there is going to be a bottleneck on this if we only do the things that we've already done. So I want to really ramp up what we're doing on the 17% list to show that women do exist. And this is, this is how you can attract them and hire them. I want to ramp up the conversations around how we attract people from other industries and showcase that talent and give that talent an opportunity. We've got to break away from, I must hire someone who fits into this particular box to plug a hole I have in the team. Instead, we've got to look at people and their careers. And as you and I spoke about so many times, EVP couldn't be more important at the moment and must be central to any recruitment process and interview process. Another case study to share. It was only this week that I was talking to a client about 
how are you going to express why it's amazing to work in your company? And the client, having asked this question three times, every time the answer was, so what I'm looking for is, and you know, it's really, really important. I, I say that and I share that because yes, we did get to the, the, the root of, of what I was trying to say, but I want everybody listening to this, that we've got to be thinking about the relationships cultivated if we have any hopes for really achieving some of the growth, the growth targets for the whole of FinTech and not just for one company or one team. So it's an incredibly exciting time, but there's a lot of change that we need to really broker. And I want to ensure that I'm helping people go through these change processes because change is hard. I get that, but I'm absolutely passionate about evidencing why, why it's better to change. Do you know, I think there's, there's a couple of things just to sort of latch on to on that. One of which is there's a, there a post I sort of stumbled over from another recruiter who was saying that there's a lot of advice going around at the moment about how you can attract talent. But the facts are that there will be some people who can and there'll be some people who can't. I fundamentally don't subscribe to that because I think that's a, such a fixed mindset. And knowing a little bit about the person who wrote it, I know there is an absolute fixed mindset in that individual, in, individual as well. And I think, you know, this, this whole thing has to be about learning and making sure that you are looking around the industry and around tools and we are sharing as much as possible all the things that people can do to stand out. Because look, we've spoken to however many exceptional companies over the last couple of weeks and all of them are good companies. There is nothing wrong with any of those businesses and they're all fighting for the same talent. And when you speak to them, there is articulation of a story which, which in some instances is great, but there's very, very little genuine, unique selling points. And it's the same in, in you know, most industries. This isn't about something there that is totally unique. It's not going to be very many places which can say, well, we have got something that is totally unique and unifying that we can uh, give to you. That's not going to be the same in, in other environments. However, there are companies out there who can listen to the individual, tailor to that individual, build relationships, as you were saying, to that individual, and make sure they're putting their very, very best foot forward to make sure they get the talent that they want. Now, they won't always get the absolute first choice which they want to do because it is competitive and, and there isn't one person who can do five, five companies' jobs. And so people have to make sure that they are thinking about how they can put that further forward. So I just wanted to talk about that. Think about the growth mindset of, of, of your recruitment process in this sort of instance. The other thing I wanted to talk about that you touched on was your work there talking to uh, universities. And I got introduced to um, someone called Joel Brown Christensen who'll be on the podcast in the next couple of weeks. He's got a business out in America called Viral Ed Edu. And it's all about financial literacy and creating and teaching fintech to young people. And this comes back to a, a conversation I was having with Liam Huxley over at Cassini saying, why, why have we got this talent shortage at the moment? And I think it's about getting people business ready, a huge scale and scope of digital innovation that we've seen over the last couple of years and simply not having the en enough people who come through an education process who are fit and ready for, you know, for work in this sort of sector. So companies like Joel's, companies like uh, Working Fintech from Matthew Chan, companies like uh, University of East London, I know you've done a lot with their Fintech program and, and how passionate Ian Pickup is about uh, looking at those sort of things. The, the other universities that you've been speaking to, I think banging that drum of making sure that this is really accessible and people recognize the opportunity within this and, and you know i had a comment that was put on you know when i, when I posted about this on linkedin there was a post there about sort of outsourcing uh, technology has probably made it less attractive for people to come into the, the industry because they think that their jobs are going to be outsourced the fact is is if you could push someone through to any sort of form of education at the moment it would be in technology because whilst outsourcing is there 
there is still a huge, huge shortage of, of people within this you know, within this industry and some great jobs and you know, fascinating projects that will move the needle of the world and our ability to do that that are in this space. So I, I want to get behind and encourage everyone you know, to invest in, in young talent coming into the industry. I love Joel and Barbaledu and, and working FinTech and all these uh, universities who are, who are addressing the, the issue. And I think if we can really work on that over the next couple of years, we will have a hugely talented influx into the industry that will make it easier to continue to to evolve at the pace we've seen over the last couple of years i couldn't agree with that more and i'm so glad you've explained it just like that because again evidence upon evidence whenever we have placed a candidate who has been given a chance and someone's hired them for potential and then to invest in them and help them grow that candidate over the years has ended up coming more senior within that business, staying within that business. There's, they're less likely to get headhunted by other recruiters in a year's time because they're loyal to that business. It makes such a difference. And if we want to reach our full potential within this industry, we've totally got to unlock that. So I love that you brought that up. But yeah, this week I was um, at the University of Reading uh, talking at a Henley Business School for a um, women in business event. I, I actually wasn't talking. I was the host. But of course, I did do a bit of talking. I can't help myself. Mm -hmm. But it was really, really insightful. Some of the key takeaways came from Savitha of Morgan Stanley. She is head of EMEA for Risk over there. And she was talking about sponsorship and advocacy which we've spoken about before but it really hit home because the conversation went on to as we're all working from home a lot more than a lot more than we have done in the whole history of work how do you get uh, made visible how are you recognized how do you ensure that the credit of your work is attributed correctly to you now, a lot of companies are, are working hybrid. There are some companies that are fully remote. And I think we've got to take some lessons from the fully remote people of how we ensure that as individuals, we are noticed and we are made visible uh, to our bosses. But also as bosses, you are completely focused on ensuring that you are making everybody in your team visible, whether they're at home or in your face in the office. And there's a huge responsibility to doing that. And some of the key things was about recognizing who's going to be your sponsor and who's going to be your advocate. And are you advocating for yourself? When you've done a very good piece of work, you know, no, no longer are we in the days of, I worked really hard and therefore things are good. It's about ensuring that your, your hard work is not just noticed internally, but it makes an impact externally as and when it can be. And I thought that, that was really interesting that we all need to look a little bit more internally to who have we chosen as our sponsor? Who understands what work we've done? Who knows how passionate we are? And are we communicating that well enough? But also responsibility to all the line managers and bosses and CEOs out there. Who in your team could you have overlooked? Who is actually doing a really good job, but they're not waving their own flag at the moment? Maybe you need to help them wave it, or maybe you need to wave it for them, or have somebody in the team to wave it for them. Um, so some really good insight. But we, we moved on to talking about how the positives of working from home um, have been for women who are caregivers at home, who are mothers, who being able to have flexi hours and still complete a really fully packed day of productivity at work how they are challenged because if they are given the opportunity to work from home and may take that as a hundred percent or as 90 percent or 80 percent whatever it may be it may actually affect them with regards to their visibility within the office and their visibility within management so what ends up happening there when they're not chosen for the best projects or when they're overlooked for uh, work that they've done or that the credit of their work is attributed to somebody else this is the sort of thing that affects the, the gender pay gap so 
and again, just really interesting food, food for thought that I wanted just to, to put out there to people listening to this. I've got a panel that I'm actually on and speaking at next week, and it's part of the Women in Risk and Control. Uh, they have a whole week um, of events, and I am talking on Thursday about giving hints and tips on how best to present yourself in an interview and how to ensure that you are getting the right role for you, but also to anybody hiring within that space, how are you going to attract the right talent? So obviously all the things that I'm super duper passionate about. So um, busy times, but I feel like we're really affecting internally. We're affecting change and positive change to be more efficient and to, to reach our goals. I feel externally we're doing that and I'm, I'm wholly committed to really raising that bar um, externally to, to help all our partners achieve their goals too. Well, I agree with that, Nads. Anything else you want to uh, you want to finish up with today? No, really happy with that. Me too. Look, there's loads and loads of good stuff happening right now. We can't wait that we are on the countdown. Now we've got all the content in for the magazine. The uh, interviews have happened. Uh, it will now be passed over to the judges today for everyone to see who is going to be winning the uh, Top 1% Workplace Awards. November the 29th is the date. We'll be talking a little bit more about that over the next couple of weeks as well. I'm very, very excited to say that I am back out to uh, New York for the first time since December 2019 to see the team out there. So if anyone is listening to this and fancies meeting up, I'm happy to record podcasts out there, uh, meet up, grab a, a coffee, a pint, whatever it, it may be. It will be the first time back with feet on the ground in, in New York for, for some time. I can't wait. It's a, it's a great sign of uh, everything moving further forward again. So thank you to everyone who's listened to this. It's always a pleasure. Um, really fascinating conversation that, that uh, Nadia has brought to us again. Just on the on the subject of podcasts, we've heard this week that the, both of our Harrington Staff podcasts are now nominated in the uh, the top 20 in, in the world in the fintech space. We are so uh, pumped for that. That's only happened because of uh, you guys tuning in, listening to it and passing the pod around. So uh, thank you so, so much. Genuinely humbling. We keep on trying to make sure we're giving you better and better content. If there are things that you want to do or can suggest to us that will make it better, people who you think should would be great guests on the podcast, things that we can do to improve your listening experience, then please, please bring it our way. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye for now. Bye.